Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Season 2 of Incoming Game. This is the podcast where we watch... And rewatch ...the 90s animated series Reboot. I'm Ben. And I'm Jessica. I've been a fan for a long time. And I'm watching this for the first time. This week, we're doing Season 2, Episode 1, Infected. Oh man, it feels like it's been weeks since I last talked to you. That's because it has been weeks since I last talked. <laughs> where have you been? I've been in Alaska. I went to this amazing thing called Comics Camp which is thrown by the owners of the Alaska Robotics store up in Juneau, Alaska, Pat and Aaron. They do this amazing thing every year where they bring up all these fantastic artists and writers and creators and just chill out for a little mini-con in Juneau before we head out to the woods and just sit around and talk about creativity, social media, how to make comics, and I learned how to needle felts and do raven tail weaving, and it was so much fun. Like, I honestly cannot express how much fun I had. That sounds awesome. So yeah, if you're ever in Juneau, please hit up Alaska Robotics. They are amazing people, and they have a really great selection of comics and cool stuff that you can get. Nice. I've been enjoying the uh, heat. We suddenly got a heat wave here after it's been, like, snowing constantly. Oh, that's right. I missed the whole heat wave. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it went straight from, like, three days of 80-degree weather to uh, just, like, rainstorm this tonight. I don't know if this is interesting, but... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I've made some changes around here. Season 2 means some new setups. I'm testing out a uh, new microphone I bought, so I'm actually recording in the house today. I'm I'm in the house. And uh, so if I sound a little bit different, that's why. Hopefully it's not incredibly for the worse. (laughs) Something else new that's going on is we have a Patreon now. We have a Patreon now. Yeah, so we've already got a few backers, which we're going to thank in just a minute. But uh, just in case you don't know what this is, Patreon is basically a monthly donation that you would give to us if you like the show and want to help support us doing our thing get various rewards at different levels so like at five dollars you can get a sticker and you get access to any bonus episodes we might put out at two dollars or above you get episodes early so a week in advance and it just goes up from there you know you you can get things like a custom drawing that jessica will do for you you can select an episode of another show that we can review or even become a uh, guest host for an episode of our show depending on the level that you pledge at but uh anyway we'd appreciate any support you can give at any level and yeah so We'd like to thank our current backers. Uh, we have Len Leshen, Jacob Holler, Drago Vas Almirer, Scott Bennett, Carrie Dater, Daniel Blake. And we also have an anonymous $5 backer who uh, <laughs> he wanted his identity kept secret for uh, reasons. He's with the CIA. <laughs> yeah, so we're just going to call him Secret Shame. You know who you are. And we thank you. Yes, thank you to all our supporters. Uh, We hope you continue and that you like our show. It really helps us out because, I mean, this is something we do for fun, but it is still a lot of work. Like, it does take a lot of time. So we appreciate that you guys appreciate what we do. And, uh, yeah, we hope you keep listening. And thanks for backing. So I think we've wasted enough time. Should we get right into the episode? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, so today we're doing Season 2, Episode 1, Infected. It first aired on August 31st of 1995. It was written by a newcomer here, Martin Boryicki, and I am totally butchered that name, so sorry, <laughs> Martin. Uh, <laughs> stories by Gavin Blair, Ian Pearson, Phil Mitchell, and Lane Reichert. So some familiar names there, at least. Yeah, the usual gang. 
the usual gang. Uh, and we open up this really cool shot of the core. We're kind of coming straight down onto what we learn is the pinnacle uh, as the ceiling opens up to reveal Dot and Fong standing there. Yeah, they're kind of surrounded by like a bunch of different shapes and stuff. Uh, and then we get an attention incoming file instead of the warning incoming game. Yeah, and instead of a purple sky, we get a yellow sky. Yeah, and like the town kind of comes alive. We see these new parents with their baby, uh, Al's waiter, and this this weird, I think... It's old man Pearson. At is this it one. Pearson? Okay. I yep, saw this totally old man Pearson. unshaven binome with an ivy cap, and I didn't know if we'd seen him before or not. <laughs> Though, also, that family with a new baby has had a new baby for all of season one, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not that new. At this point, uh, Enzo bursts out of the diner, and uh, he's looking forward to this upgrade. He's hoping for a turbo speed energy. Yeah, that'll really show Bob. That uppity Bob. And Bob ends up, uh, he's soaring overhead, and he's telling Dot that he'll be right there just as some fireworks go off above him. Yeah, this is this is, seems to be a very exciting moment for Mainframe. Upgrades seem to be a big deal. And Dot tells Bob to hurry up, but Bob is already there. Yeah, he like pops in off frame, and he pinches her butt. <laughs> And Fong starts to declare that this file has arrived earlier than expected, and we get this huge ominous music cue, which, you know, mm-hmm. way to go heavy on the foreshadowing there. <laughs> well, then, just as he says that, a comet shoots down out of the sky and destroys them all. <laughs> we get essentially what would normally be a GameCube, but instead of a GameCube, it's this little cylindrical container. Yeah, it's a canister of some kind, and uh, Bob is very unimpressed. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> and they're like, Bob, this isn't the supercomputer. I don't know what you want from us. I like their little back and forth. Uh, Dot's like, ooh, I hope it's a new, a fancy accounting software. And Fong's just like, dead-eye stares her and goes like, or, you know, maybe it's some extra virus protection. Dot? Yeah, Dot, maybe <laughs> maybe put business aside for like five seconds. It felt like someone getting a bonus in their paycheck and then arguing whether it should be spent on paying their bills or going shoe shopping. <laughs> Look, Dot has her priorities. We all know what they are. <laughs> So they uh, descend down into the core, and Dot checks in with Enzo on her iPad. He's in the middle of leading this, like, protest chant of celebration. You know, what do we want? <laughs> I feel like he's starting a little socialist revolution here. He's seizing the means of the upgrades. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's in a happy mode. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. For now, right. until capitalist Dot stops giving out the upgrades. <laughs> and, like, and Cecil shoves himself into frame, and he's like, think I could get some goddamn legs this time? Yeah, apparently the rail is very limiting for him. <laughs> So all sectors are now cleared. They're getting ready to power down. And then Bob ruins the whole thing by saying, I'd like to see Megabyte even think about causing trouble right now. At this point, too, like, Fong is practically patting Dot on the head. And he's like, oh, who's a good girl? Really kind of patronizing her. (laughs) You did a good job. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. He definitely, you know, he's talking about how impressed he is with her, but... You know, we all know who wears the pants in this this computer. So Bob presses the button and the core is surrounded by a blue bubble while the rest of mainframe shuts down. Everything goes dark and slows to a stop. And uh, Fong has trouble opening the pickle jar. <laughs> so Bob steps in and yanks it so hard he flies off screen. Which I thought was, that was the perfect metaphor because that's exactly what I was thinking of. Was Bob going, oh, I'm sorry, you having trouble with that jar there, buddy? I can, I can help you with that. <laughs> it looked like Fong forgot to like unlatch it first, too. <laughs> it did. 
But to be fair, Fong does have these spindly little spider legs. So no, I just I said legs. I meant arms. <laughs> so looking inside, Fong gets his face grabbed by Megabyte, who pops out like it's a birthday cake. He's like, "Hello, dots." Like this is that was what I said. It's literally what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> this is what he does. He just goes around surprising everyone on their birthday. You know. <laughs> Now, I was just saying, I really wanted to hear him do a breathy rendition of Happy Birthday, Mr. Guardian. <laughs> but he's holding Fong by the head here as he electrocutes him. Right. Bob is somewhere <laughs> off screen and Dot looks around, realizes she's essentially alone with this virus. And instead of doing something, kind of yells a very ineffective, put him down. Yeah, Dot is kind of useless in this scene here. <laughs> Bob tries to throw the lid, the canister lid, back at him, and he just casually catches it. Yawns. He's like, okay, if you guys are done, I'm just going to head down to the core now. See ya. That's because uh, Megabyte is very good at ultimate frisbee, so. <laughs> and he just like, yeah, he tosses it right back at Bob, who's like trying to get away using Glitch, but he ends up getting knocked off the ledge and falling down to a lower level. I do want to point two things out real quick. Yep. Is one, when Bob shows up, Megabyte's voice definitely gets sultrier. <laughs> of course. I should have. It's his boo. And then I, this little, so we we know from uh, one of our listeners have mentioned that Megabyte is a control virus to Hexadecimal's chaos virus. So when he catches the, the lid, he doesn't just like put it down. He carefully puts it back on the cylinder where it goes and latches it again before throwing <laughs> it at Bob. That, that move was kind of funny. So uh, Fo- Megabyte straight up does a Vulcan mind meld on uh, Fong there. He's like, your thoughts to my thoughts. Trying to get the access code. <laughs> and Fong does this horrible modem scream. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Like, it is terrifying. He just this is like, it, he does a scream that turns into the trying to connect to the internet sound. <laughs> yeah, so Bob starts fretting from below and Dot sends out an SOS to the diner. Enzo is pouting at the lack of changes that have occurred when uh, military police come on screen and issue a curfew. They say they've received a stress call, but they can't communicate further until the armor comes down. Yep, so Enzo's got to stay put, and he they pan over, and we see a group of very scared diner patrons right. that I think, you know, I'm, I'm probably reading a little too into this, but it's kind of an interesting moment, because Enzo here is kind of deciding to be the one in charge. We see him throughout this episode trying to make sure that everyone stays calm and together, which... You know, it seems to me like he's learned a lot from watching Dot and Bob. Until he starts going through milkshake withdrawals later. (laughs) (laughs) Though, I also wanted to point out one very silly thing in this scene that I'm also probably reading way too into. By all means. (laughs) We have the cop, and he's using his little hitting stick to, like, gesture wildly. (laughs) And they they put this little wobble on Mm -hmm. the stick. Like, assumedly, a stick is made out of... You know, I don't know what it is in a computer, but a wood-like substance, you know, stiff. No, this one's rubber. This one, yeah, they put this, like, little rubber wobble on it, which I don't know about anyone else, but it reminded me of, it was very dildo-esque. <laughs> it's so phallic-looking, and it's just, like, bouncing back and forth, and I was like, oh, God, oh, what no. is happening here? But yeah, we can continue on. That was weird. <laughs> Meanwhile, Megabyte is starting to revel in his victory, and uh, Bob returns to try and knock him off the edge. Ha <laughs> ha! Megabyte's like, "If it's cat and mouse, Bob, maybe we need some cheese." Best worst line ever. <laughs> I mean, he he definitely brought the cheese, <laughs> especially the way he extends cheese, and then just like roars, <laughs> launching at Dot and Fong. 
with his Wolverine claws. Yes. And Bob, struggling to think of something to say, manages to get an energy field out just in time. Right. And then uh, as he bounces off, uh, he uses Glitch to create a pole for a Megabyte to slam into, which I think had a shower head on the end, right? No, I think it was a lamppost, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I read into it. But this whole scene was, again, it was so Looney Tunes. It, yeah. Between the comical bouncing off of the energy field to the, like, wily coyote running into the lamppost. And Megabyte's faces were crazy in this scene they were so crazy we even get like a kind of like symbol clash when he runs into the yeah, lamppost yeah. just to like really sell it you know gavin made a big point about saying they were done with the looney tune sound effects and everything <laughs> <laughs> apparently maybe after this one this, this is the one <laughs> and then we get bob leaning against the post and looking into the camera while saying like falling off an analog okay mm. roadrunner <laughs> yes roadrunner's typical one-liners <laughs> All right, bugs. What are that? <laughs> <laughs> it works for both. <laughs> so Fong is just like dying in Dot's arms and he tells her to leave him and uses his last breath to say, Zip, zip, zoom. Which was something I thought was going to come back later. I was wrong. <laughs> so, I, know, I think it's supposed to be the whatever codes made that door appear. Oh, it was like Greek action? Yeah, like he was just like, here's the code. And then that door opens and Bob grabs Dot and throws her through it. At least that's what I hope. Otherwise, he's just saying nonsense. <laughs> Speaking of that, from here on out, like I had a lot of trouble following what was happening. Yeah, so Glitch gives a low battery warning and then Bob grabs Dot. They run through this static transport field or something, mm-hmm. which like pushes them to the other end of the gulch and a megabyte's just left there to roar at them again as they run away. Yes, and then once they're behind the locked door, Bob stamps his foot because he's so mad. <laughs> they left Fong <laughs> behind, even though he's the one that did it. <laughs> but they didn't have a choice as Glitch is out of juice. And so they say they need to recharge and they start running off. Megabyte decides to deal with them later and he initiates an erase command on mainframe and laughs as the diner patrons panic. This is an interesting scene because... When we last saw Megabyte, he was roaring because Bob and Dot mm-hmm. had escaped him. And now we see him and he's holding up Fong again. And then he drops Fong again. Yeah. So <laughs> he was just like, I'm just going to pick up and drop this guy. He likes to for, yeah. for fun. <laughs> Enzo sees that stuff is stuff is going down uh, and makes a CPU joke because this smells. Yeah. And Tukbinome vanishes right before uh, Megabyte's eyes there. And uh, he, he squints and asks Bob and Dot, you want to play a game? We get to see a bunch of flying discs float ominously through the hallways that immediately chase down a janitor drone of some sort. And luckily, Dot and Bob are there to explain what's happening. This scene here. Is like, they look like game pucks from Fong's favorite game. Yeah, but they're energy-seeking and loaded with electromagnetic detonators. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We weren't sure if they were dangerous. So they're running through the hallways and get trapped between the two approaching groups of pucks. And uh, Bob asks for a jumper cable from Dot's organizer, but Dot's not too eager to give that up. She does. and uh, She does, eventually, but all her data's going to get lost. Right. But yeah, so she, he connects it to Glitch to surround them in a force field. There's like some other more like staticky visuals going on here. They, he orders a double header, right. putting a bubble around both of them. <laughs> and the pucks explode as they run into each other. 
Yes. And back at the diner, everyone is starting to fade away like they're Marty McFly. I said Cecil's starting to freak out, and then Enzo slaps him, tells him to keep the drinks coming. They're pumping out energy shakes, but everyone's looking bad. The mainframe starts, like, falling apart around them, too. Meanwhile, Hex calls up Megabyte to congratulate him on a job well done, and to make sure that she's saved from whatever fate they had in mind. Right. (laughs) Because after all, they're family. Yes. And we learn for the first time that they're related. Right, so this is where that comes in. Before this, we... I, I knew they were related from, from my experience, mm-hmm. but they had yet to actually say it on the show. <laughs> so It was unspoken. Yeah, so uh, Megabyte and Hex, they agree to split control of mainframe 50-50. As she hangs up, like he's like, yeah, just watch. Yeah, just watch how well I break my promise. It'll be great. <laughs> Dot finds the armory, but can't find the light switch for some reason, even though it's a glowing light bulb symbol. But when she does, she spots some machinery and uh, gasps. Yeah, ominously up the in the corner. What could it be? <laughs> Meanwhile, Bob is scanning for recharge zones, and suddenly this, like, floating capsule flies up from out of nowhere. Bob places Glitch into it and makes a very creepy face. Which I I feel for Bob here, everyone who's never had their phone charger on them (laughs) (laughs) when they needed it. Luckily, he finds one of those cool Samsung ones where you just put it on there instead of plugging it in. <laughs> but while he's doing that, Fong's force ghost appears to rhyme at him. <laughs> yes, the specter grabs Bob's shoulder and is like, you have what you need, now use his greed. It's like, use, use words, Fong. Use words. Don't. <laughs> we don't need poems right now. And Bob gets this super angry look on his face as Fong fades away. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like Arr. yeah the faces in this episode man so we get a uh, megabyte gloating to fong as the diner starts to go down and then megabyte gloats to enzo because nothing says powerful like lording it over a kid right he's a, he's got the visible enzo as he's gloating there mecha dot creeps up behind megabyte she flings him and tries to step on his head but he overpowers her and throws her off the ledge there's like so many ledges and like <laughs> There is. So, like, they're when they start off, they're on one area with a ledge that leads into this kind of, like, bowl, almost, which is what Bob falls into. And then the bowl can open up, which he then held onto, and then the platform goes down into the bowl, which leads to another <laughs> area with a ledge, which, if you fall into that, I think you're deleted. Oh, boy. So many ledges. <laughs> this whole place, OSHA needs to come in and, like, check this place out, because it is definitely not work-friendly. So, yeah, so she, so she grabs the edge just in time. And just as Megabyte is ready to finish her off, Bob arrives, fully recharged, and compliments Dots on her new outfit. As she catches herself on the edge of the thing, Megabyte uses his sneaked power (laughs) is about to strike before Bob uses the stasis beam on him. What power does he use? The sneaked power. Oh, sneaked. (laughs) Yeah, so she tells him to reverse the program, and he's like, uh, okay. Megabyte infects the exosuit putting it under his control, and he grabs Bob with Dotsuit and threatens to hurt him unless he gives him the portal to the supercomputer. And uh, there's a real, another odd line here. Yeah! Dot's like, I can't control myself, and Bob's like, I've always known that. But he, like, doesn't even <laughs> say it to her, like, I feel like that that reading would have been great. Like, he's just like, I've always known that, ha ha ha. But, like, he says it angrily and like, two megabyte. Funny, I've always known that. <laughs> right, yeah, he's like, this bitch over here. <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with him right now? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think it was written to be a very flippant line and then was not read that way at all. Uh-huh. But Megabyte goes to squish Bob's head. He does that thing from the kids in the hall. He's like, I will crush your head, you flathead. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob just gives in. He's like, okay, okay, okay. And we, uh, get, we get this like 
polyhedral casing with a sphere inside of it. See, there's so much new imagery in here that trying to like explain it all, I was I was kind of lost for a lot of this. So Megabyte approaches the inside of the polyhedra and Bob arms it with Glitch and the sphere disappears and Megabyte gets locked inside. The sphere was not a uh, portal room at all, but it was a place where they break down viruses. Right. Uh, but if Megabyte's going down, he's not going down alone. So he triggers a self-destruct. Uh, so he's going to take the down the whole city with him. So Bob ejects him to save the city. Right. So where's how does the self-destruct work? So he's ejects him to still in mainframe. He's just over. He lands next to his own lair. Well, I guess the idea is that if he ejects him from the thing and is, is it not destroying him, that Megabyte won't use the self-destruct. Oh, so yeah, so he crawls out just as the real upgrade arrives, and the city starts to rebuild. And when uh, Fong stumbles into view, wondering if he'll get a new modem. Just a weird line to end on, but crash to credits. <laughs> crash to credits. Reboot. So, what did you think of this episode? Oh boy. So, I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> this I was so confused for a lot, a lot of this episode. I. Like I said, I had some trouble keeping up. Uh, a lot of stuff seemed to be happening very quickly, and it wasn't clear for me what was going on for much of it. Like, I couldn't tell if they were just introducing new things, like the recharge stations and like the static e transport devices and stuff like that. But it just seemed like things were just happening, and then we were told, "Well, I guess that's good," or "I guess that's bad." And I don't know. It, it didn't really seem to work for me this time. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad episode, but it wasn't as put together as the good episodes has been like it felt it did feel very like kind of i don't know if rushed is the right word no like that 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 works yeah rushed yeah a little cobbled together i mean it wasn't a bad episode like if this had been the first episode as opposed to the first episode of the first season i think we would have had a lot easier time going into it maybe um so if this is where where people were starting if they're picking it up with the second season i don't think they would have turned it off right away right but it, it still had some some strange moments, like the weird uh, <laughs> lamppost gag and uh, the weird line reading. But yeah, the whole thing didn't quite feel as cohesive as some of the really good episodes had. Okay, so it wasn't just me. <laughs> no, it wasn't just you. Alphanumeric! So, it's time for Bits and Bites for Season 2. What do you have for us for trivia this week, Jess? Oh, so you got some fun references in this one. Nothing quite as direct as we've been getting, uh, but I'm sure you've picked up on a few of them. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say for sure that Bob hanging off the bottom of that core pinnacle thingy is totally an Empire Strikes Back reference. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much the only place that I've ever seen that before, falling into the doomed only to be holding on at the the very bottom of a Cloud City, or under Cloud City, rather. <laughs> and then we get to see Megabyte has Wolverine claws. Yep. Uh, so this is most definitely a reference. Um, I won't tell you why yet, but we get some interesting writers later. Okay. So, yeah, Wolverine first appeared back in The Incredible Hulk in 1974, uh, numbers 180 and 181, and uh, showed off his famous snicked claws, and we get to see Megabyte use them here. We also get Dot wearing uh, an exosuit, which feels a little familiar, because it's pretty much a giant reference to aliens and Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Get away from her, you bitch! We also get a reference to Predator. Megabyte uses the self-destruct command on his wrist, which emulates how the Predator activates a bomb on his wrist back in the original Predator movie. And reference to Terminator. So this all seems to be the same, like, category of references for the most part. Like, the same, like, area of movies. 
But Terminator is when uh, we see Dot's got her giant exo foot on Megabyte's head and is crushing him, and his eyes slowly start to dim. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, those are our bits and bites for today. So we don't really have a game this week, um, or do we? We don't have a game this week, but there's a line that jumped out to me in this episode that I thought was really funny. Bob is scoffing at the size of the upgrade provided by the user. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And Fong is just like, oh, our user sends us what he can. Uh, kind of implying that, you know, the the user scrapes by just to give them upgrades. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, which got me thinking, like, oh, does this user maybe, you know, not that wealthy? Maybe that's why he's got problems with the upgrades. Which had me thinking about the cost of having a gaming computer back in the early 90s. Uh, so I pulled up some info on some and figured we could laugh at, at how, how sad those computers were. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh with fun, though, because they're, I'm sure I had the crappiest one. But <laughs> So I found one that was a Pentium system that had an 8 megabyte or 16 megabyte memory with a mm. 540 megabyte hard drive. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and a whole 1 to 2 megabytes of video RAM. Hey, don't scoff at that. <laughs> uh, you also got your 3.5 high density floppy drive uh, and Windows 3.1. I had Windows 3.1. I remember that. <laughs> that was actually probably my first operating system. Yeah, so this was the most expensive system I found. This also came with a monitor, a 15-inch flat screen with a .28 dot pitch. I don't know what that is in current speak, other than the 15-inch part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this whole system would have run you about 3000 to $3,800. Okay. You know, so that's that's pretty expensive even for a computer today. Yeah, it depends on you know what brand you're getting. But yeah. yeah, if you're getting like a high-end gaming computer, you're probably spending about 3000 on it. Then there was the uh, step down from that. It was a 486 system. Uh, so this one had the straight up 8 megabytes memory. You weren't getting that extra 16 hmm. if you wanted it. And the hard drive was 420 megabytes. You still got the monitor. You got the one megabyte of video RAM and the three and a half inch high density floppy drive. And this one would run you about 1100 to $1,500. So for that extra eight megabytes <laughs> of memory uh, and that extra one megabyte of video RAM, uh-huh. um, you were really bunking up the price there. It's like an extra $1,500 just for the... <laughs> Like, I've, I've had Word documents with more memory than that. <laughs> um, and then I was thinking, oh, so we should look up into uh, the Amiga. Because the Amiga is one of the ones that we see when we're looking through the games. A lot of them were made for the Amiga back in this time. So I looked at uh, one called the Amiga 600. So the Amiga 600, um, this one was released in 1992, was pretty much made to be the low-cost, family-friendly, you know, your house wants a computer because your kids are up up your butt about it. (laughs) So you would go ahead and you would get an Amiga 600. I have a fun little like brochure thing here that I guess was in like a newspaper or some kind of magazine. Uh, It was definitely in England because this is in pounds. So (laughs) you'll have to go ahead and do the, do the math. You sure it's not Australian? I, they also use pounds. So maybe. (laughs) 
No, do they use pounds? They might use dollars. I don't even know. I'm not from Australia. Don't yell at me. I'm just picking on I know. So you can get two different versions of the Amiga 600. One had one megabyte of RAM. One had two megabytes of RAM. And they could run you either 199 pounds or 229 pounds. So not too bad, actually. Uh, now you got the double-sided floppy drive and you got a card slot, but you did not get a monitor. So this doesn't include a monitor. Uh, this doesn't include a CD-ROM drive, which the other one had. This is pretty much a gaming system for all intents and purposes. But it would come with these cool like sets like they do now with different games in it. Uh, so you could get the Grand Prix, which we've played. Uh, you can get a bunch of puzzle games. Uh, you can get deluxe paint. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get golf and pinball. Like, this is all stuff that we've definitely seen referenced in yeah. Reboot before. So, yeah, it was pretty great. Well, the uh, earliest computer i remember having was like i think might have been i don't know if it was a dell but it was it was definitely windows 3.1 and we had like some dos games and stuff like that back back then so you know i remember it <laughs> some oregon trail yeah there's some like treasure game i remember playing too and we definitely had the ones that we played on ms dos that was the computer at school and you'd have to like type in what you were gonna play oh yeah yeah you could see colon backslash etc etc mm-hmm. back in my day uh <laughs> <laughs> And then when I eventually got a computer at home, we had we had upgraded to the CD-ROM games, so uh-huh. we could we could just put the CD in and we'd be able to play. <laughs> nice. All right, and that's our game for today. This is wrong. This is all wrong. So for those of you who this might be your first episode uh, listening every week we like to find uh moments that stick out to us that we find are kind of funny or interesting or just uh plain weird and we like to award the golden pigtail for the frostiest moments so uh jess uh, what did you find this week for your frosty moments all right so this week i've got a runner-up which was a very unexpected moment for me uh so bob is is playing cat and mouse with with megabyte here uh and he kind of does his little spider-man move where he says glitch line the line gets thrown up on the wall and megabytes like uh-uh none of that and he throws the canister at where glitch is attached to the wall and this animation of right. like they don't like zoom in on bob or like see his face as he like is like oh no we just like completely from megabytes point of view just bob just start to fall like a rag doll yeah that, that stuck out to me too <laughs> <laughs> and then land on his face like literally his face just like and the animation was so hilarious to me. Like, I was I was cracking up. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but my winner has got to be Dot in that exosuit because it's so fucking badass. <laughs> it's got a cool tail. It's got awesome claws. Oh, it was fantastic. Nice. So my um, nominees, uh, most of my runners-up are the faces, like Megabyte's roar and chase faces and Bob's creepy, like, uh, recharging face. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But I've got to give it to Fong this week for Zip Zip Zoom. Because unless that's some kind of, like, email slogan from Britain that I don't know about. Like, I googled it and nothing came up, so. Yeah, that was definitely a weird moment. I hope that that's what it was. That it was it was kind of opening up that door. Because otherwise, Fong is definitely out of it. <laughs> Which wouldn't be out of character for him. No, nah, that's true. It wouldn't be out of character at all. <laughs> okay, and that's our Frosty Moments for the week all right so what do we have for feedback this week all right so as usual we put out a little call before we uh go ahead and start recording um so if you ever 
are interested, we record usually on Thursdays, uh, but we'll put a call out on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and you can just ask us some questions about the episode or give us some feedback, like your favorite moments from the episode, and we'll, we'll try and talk about them. Uh, so we did get some feedback. Uh, so Nolan Hayes, hello to you, Nolan, at It's My DeLorean at, on Twitter. He, one, pointed out Megabyte's interesting hello dot. <laughs> But uh, asks about Bob's over-reliance on Glitch. Because we do get to see a moment here where Glitch goes out of commission uh, and Bob has to try and deal without him. And much like every millennial, <laughs> he freaks out and asks for a jump from anyone who can get it. <laughs> uh, so we don't get to actually see him deal with his loss of Glitch here too much. Uh, he mostly just runs away and then plugs it in real quick. Um, so we'll have to see, I guess, if this becomes kind of a, a, a trend, if we see him kind of being overly reliant on Glitch uh, and whether or not uh, he loses Glitch and, and maybe needs to start to use his own wits. <laughs> so I've got an email from a listener, Lewis Carter, who uh, says that he found our podcast and he says that uh, in regards to Bob's mission in the theme song, says that Bob's mission to find out about the user is later revealed to be his radical college idea. <laughs> and this is... <laughs> this is these, these crazy ideas are part of why Bob got relegated to the hick town of Mainframe in the first place. <laughs> oh, Bob. He acts like he's such such a big fish, but he's really just... <laughs> he was the small fish back in the supercomputer. Yeah. We also got some a question of, from Vindolf Dwarf, who's at Vindolf on Twitter. How did Megabyte get above the sky to hide in the box? And I had that same damn question. <laughs> How did he pull off this whole scheme? He somehow yeah. tricked the whole computer into thinking it was an upgrade. He must have had hack and slash, like shoot him out from a cannon or something. And somehow they were competent at it. But they made the sky all yellow and they made the, the voice happen. And like, that was, it was pretty, yeah. pretty elaborate on his part. Good on you. How he managed to get through all that. <laughs> And it's like, you know, he didn't send someone else to do his dirty work either. He, like, straight up hid in there himself. Like, you could see him, like, yeah. waiting to be, like, you know, as Fong's trying to, like, open the can. He's like, come on, come on, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, Vindolf also points out that Megabyte strikes him as vaguely feline, which is definitely a thing that we've seen. Well, that's that Shere um, Khan uh thing going on it's definitely the sheer con energy uh, <laughs> but even more so because he's hiding in a box the whole time just like any good cat would. <laughs> so one more thing that we got that i put out a call for was i was curious if there are any um trading cards or pogs for a uh, reboot and sure enough man our listeners delivered we got like pictures and photos and a couple of zip files of like tons of photos of reboot pogs and trading cards and i love it i'm i'm looking through them now there's a five in here i need this five whoever if anyone can send me this five pog i want it oh yeah so some of these trading cards are pretty hilarious because they kind of like turn into pinup cards right yeah there's some of dots that are a little bit questionable <laughs> just showing off her ass yeah there's one where it's definitely like this upskirt shot that's they're they're really trying hard to you know push the line there mm -hmm. and then they've got ones of like random users which i think is kind of funny you got like a bunch of the pirate ones in here too yeah there's one of here of uh bula uh which is fun i love bula uh they do have dot in her fun french outfit with the hat and the mustache 
Um, and they've got these cool, like, clear trading cards. Yeah, those are neat, too. Where it's just, like, them floating on their uh, zip boards, which is pretty cool. I was I was kind of into Pogs as a kid. I definitely had some. I didn't... I wasn't a huge collector, but I had definitely had some. Yeah. I was never... I wasn't a collector. I was never a trading card person at the time, though. Yeah, I, I don't think I was really ever into trading cards. It kind of would be fun, though, to have a few of these. Right. So, in college, um, my roommate had a bunch of the action figures that are out there of the different characters Mm -hmm. and they would sit on her computer the whole time and occasionally she'd come back and they'd all be in like horrible sexual positions (laughs) Uh, i don't know who i don't know who would have done that uh (laughs) but that was really fun so yeah if someone's out there who's got an extra five pog they want to send ben (laughs) please do i think that'd be really great i think it would make our day oh boy (laughs) i think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable so anything you want to recommend our listeners this week there, Jess? Uh, yeah, actually. So again, I'm going to go with something a little bit more mainstream. Um, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but I just listened to the entirety of Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet, which is her new album. Janelle Monet is amazing and everyone should listen to her all the time. Uh, <laughs> she's also got like a little, what she calls an emotion picture that goes with it. It's on YouTube. You can check it out for free. It's got most of the songs built into it. And it's, it's more of a collection of the music videos than anything, but it does have an overarching story about this dystopian future uh, where every, anyone that doesn't belong, their memories are erased so they can fit in. Uh, so it's her and Tessa Thompson and also some guy. Oh, Tessa Thompson's on there. Okay. Yeah, Tessa Thompson's in there. She's in a bunch of the music videos too. And they like, you know, are trying to escape this dystopian future so they can live free. All right. And it's really fun and the song's are really good and you should all listen to it. All right. Cool. cool. <laughs> I don't really have too much new to recommend other than maybe I've been uh, checking out a few episodes of the new Lost in Space on Netflix. I've been enjoying that. Um but I don't have uh, too much else to plug myself. Okay. Well, when you do. <laughs> when I do, it'll go right here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what are we looking at next week? All right. So next week we have the episode High Code. We get to see uh, what a code master is and if there's a code master hiding in plain sight in mainframe. Ooh. Codemaster. Yeah. We get this kind of like Mantis-like sprite in here, which is, is pretty fun. And uh, so maybe someone with a little secret entity issue. Uh, so, I'm imagining a yeah. Ovaltine is drink more of. <laughs> you got it. Right in the nose. <laughs> right in one. Um, all right. Well, you can always uh, find us on uh, Twitter at Incoming Game Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Incoming Game Cast and on our website at IncomingGameCast.com. Uh, I'm at Dudworks on Twitter, Dudworks Art on Facebook, and Dudworks.com. And I'm at Stirvino Lady. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I'm going to be posting up some pics from my Alaska trip, so you should check them out. They're really fun. Uh, I got to hang out with a lot of really cool people, uh, and so now I'm following them, and you should maybe follow them too, because they're really cool and they make amazing art. So I saw you met Paranorman. I met the Paranorman. <laughs> uh, so we had uh, Georgia, who's one of the, um, or she was the head of puppetry at Leica until about six weeks ago. She, you know, was there for all the movies up until now. Um, she's off to moving on to new adventures in her life. Uh, but she brought with her a Paranorman. Uh, and she had to show us all the little, like, faces as they come off. And she let us all hold them. <laughs> and, yeah, we were all we were all thoroughly starstruck by Paranorman. <laughs> nice. 
We should also mention our theme music is Spasmatical Polka by Kevin McLeod. And with that, I think we'll see you all next week. So until next time, everybody stay frosty. Stay frosty. Game over. User wins.